Uh, good morning, Saints. Good morning. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, uh, I don't know if the pleasure would be mine or yours. Uh, we can obviously discuss that over coffee. But my name is Amu, and uh, I am one of the deacons here at Grace Covenant Church, which means I am responsible for checking attendance. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, we can also discuss that. We've got two topics now to discuss um, during coffee. Now, since it's always an incredible privilege for me to be able to minister the Word of God, uh, because as I've said in the past, it's a responsibility that I don't take lightly. Um, I've quoted this in the past, but the Bible is quite clear. It says the following. It says, not every one of you should desire to be preachers. Not just because you know, perhaps you've got a bit of shyness and you can't stand in front of the church. But because I believe there's a spiritual responsibility in representing God. Now, I'm a big sports fan. And one of the things I always hear when a team loses, you know, what the coach would say, would be something to the effect that the players are not playing for the badge. So in other words, their performance is not reflective of the size or the, or the importance of the club. And if that is important for a simple soccer or rugby or cricket team, how much more for the kingdom of heaven? How much more for the kingdom of God? So I'm always grateful and I'm always humbled more than anything else to be able to stand in front of the church, represent him, and hopefully represent him faithfully for the benefit of the saints. And I, I must be honest, for, for my benefit, I think more than anybody else. So always great to, to be here, always great to, to preach, and always great to be able to see you. Now... This time of the year is, is always a very interesting time of the year because by, by its very nature, it's a reflective time of the year. Um, it's an opportunity that, or, or season rather, that forces us, whether we like to or not, to reflect on the year. And when one reflects on the year, there are always two contradicting emotions that come, right? The primary one would be success or happiness, rather, over the success that you might have achieved. And I pray and I hope that every single one of us can take at least one thing that we achieve this year, however big or small. But on the flip side as well, what we then have is regret. You know, shame go according to plan, or where we feel, you know, I should have done a little bit more, I should have given a little bit more, perhaps I should have studied more, I should have worked harder, I should have gone to gym a little bit more, I should have been nature as human beings. And because of our fatalistic nature, sometimes that particular emotion overpowers even the successes. You know, a friend of mine likes to say, I could do 99 things correctly, but if I do one wrong, that's the one that stays in my head. That's the one that causes me to lose sleep at night. So during this reflective time, during this time we were looking back on the past 11 and a half months or 12, depending on how you, <laughs> you count the, the calendar, you read the calendar, I think it's important that we were reminded of the fact that God is with us. That in the successes, we are able to give him honor because God is with us. And in terms of the regrets and in terms of the elements that might bring us shame, that we're able to receive and, 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 and be inspired confidently for the new year because we know that God is with us. King David says the following in Psalms chapter 124. He says, if the Lord had not been with us, then we would have been swallowed up. If the Lord have not been with us, then we would have been devoured. I can assure you that it doesn't matter how big the regrets are in your life. If the Lord had not been with you, they would have been worse. 
I can assure you that it doesn't matter how many limitations you had in 2019. If the Lord had deserted you, if the presence of the Lord had not been with you, you'd be in a much worse position than you currently are. So we're able to stand up, wake up, look to the future with confidence because we know that the Lord is with us. King David says the following, he says, Surely though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I can memorize 100 verses. Why? Because I'm the best singer or the best dressed person in church, which I'm not. (laughs) You guys must keep up with me. No, but because the Lord is with me. I'm able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death confidently with my chest out because the Lord is with me. And this is a topic, this is a theme, this is a conversation that we constantly need to have with ourselves. Remind ourselves constantly that the Lord is with me. I do not understand everything, yes. I do not have all the answers, yes. I have not achieved all the things I wanted to achieve, yes. But because the Lord is with me, I have not been devoured. Because the Lord is with me, I have not been destroyed. Amen. So that's what I want us to talk about um, this morning. We can move on to to the next slide, thanks. Uh, Wes was making fun of me a bit earlier. Um, I've got slides today, uh, (laughs) which for me is 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 quite an upgrade. (laughs) I need a graph, that's all I need, and then uh, I'll be on par, I'll be on par. Yeah, so I spent uh, the whole night, uh, and by that I mean an hour at least, typing out (laughs) these particular slides. So uh, yeah, a round of applause would be appreciated. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, Genesis 1 talks about the beginning, right? It talks about a situation, the Bible describes the beginning as a time where the earth was void, the Bible says. It uses very big words. It says the earth was formless. There was very little order to things. Chaos ruled. And the Bible says in the beginning... If you read a bit further, it says the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Now, we've got a chaotic situation. We've got a situation where nothing makes sense. The world is void. The world is formless. And yet the presence of the Lord is already there, moving. The presence of the Lord, even in the midst of the chaos, even in, in, in the midst of a season where very few things are making sense, the Bible says to us, the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, was already hovering over the earth. And allow me to say this morning, and, and, and I want to be very direct, it's, it's almost Christmas time, so I can get everything off my chest before we get into the new year. It seems the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over it. It doesn't matter how void or formless your job situation seems. The Spirit of the Lord is hovering over it. The Spirit of the Lord precedes anything and everything that we could ask, wish, think, or pray for. Jesus Christ says the following. He says, where two or more are gathered, he doesn't say, I will then come. I will then be inspired to come. He says, there will I be found. So in other words, we come into the presence of the Lord. You know, sometimes we use quite liberal language, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let's invite the presence of the Lord. Let's invite the Lord into the room, into the prayer, which is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is language. But the reality of things is that when we come to the presence of the Lord, we find him waiting for us. This is what the Bible says. It says, it is not that we have loved God, but it is rather that God loved us first and brought us into his love. 
And allow me to say that it is not that we have brought about the presence of the Lord. No, it's, it's the fact that the presence of the Lord has come. And our job and responsibility is to step into the presence of the Lord. So when we come to church on a Sunday morning, when we have our personal prayer time, when we are walking, when we are working, when we are doing whatever it is that we need to do, we need to understand that the presence of the Lord is already there waiting for us. So before the first day, before the Lord created the heavens and the stars and the moons and all the beautiful things that he goes on to create, if you read Genesis 1 further, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord was not confused. He wasn't worried. He was scared. The Bible says he was hovering. And allow me to say he was hovering with authority, looking forward to what he would do, looking forward to the order that he would bring about on the earth, looking forward to the order that he would bring about into the universe. And this morning, regardless of where you're standing, allow me to say, the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over your life. He's hovering over your life. He's hovering over your life. And if you read, you know, in terms of the the, the order that he was able to bring out of chaos, allow me to say that he will do the exact same thing in your life. If you understand and acknowledge that it is the presence of the Lord that is there. And if you read in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So the presence of the Lord, which is his word, which is reflected through the life and work of Jesus Christ in our lives, the Bible says, in the beginning, in the beginning, the word was already there. Amen. In the beginning, the word was already there. So our mindset, our perspective on life should not be to try and coerce God into doing things for us. To try and bribe God into doing things for us. But rather to step into his presence. Because there's absolutely nothing that you can do, saints, that could ever force God to do anything. You cannot put a gun to God's head and say to him, I've been to church every single Sunday this this year, therefore do this. But he says, rather step into my presence. This is what King David says. He says, in the presence of the Lord, there are two things. There is fullness of joy, and at his right hand, there are pleasures that are forevermore. So the presence of the Lord is of a critical importance to our lives and our hearts. But we've got to understand that we do not invite, we do not create it. The band, when they're singing, they're not, their job isn't to create the presence of the Lord. It isn't to form it, it isn't to create it, but rather to lead us into the presence of the Lord. And once we step into the presence of the Lord, the Bible then says, the fullness of joy, the pleasures that are at his right hand, there we will find them. If the Lord had not been with us, we would have been devoured. We would have been destroyed. Amen. Allow me to emphasize that again. If the Lord had not been for us, the spirit and the presence of the Lord comes before our fancy theology. The spirit and the presence of the Lord comes before our fancy singing, our fancy English, our fancy preaching, our fancy cars, our fancy houses. It is the presence of the Lord that sets the foundation and that sets the context for the creative power of God to move. For the healing power of God to move. For the blessing of the Lord to move. Amen. Have I emphasized it enough? I don't think I have. <laughs> Amen. We can move on to the, to the next slide. Now, I want to talk about three elements. Now that we've established that the presence of the Lord is the foundation of everything that flows, I want us to talk about three elements or three characteristics of the presence of the Lord. Three things that we can be confident about when we enter into the presence of the Lord. Amen. And the first of that is simply this, and I think it's probably echoing on what I said a bit earlier. The presence of the Lord is necessary. Now, an obvious statement, it's necessary. 
But what does necessity mean? It means something that is essential and forms the basic requirement of a thing. Are we on the same page? If you think about a simple example, mathematics, you know, Wes was talking about graphs a bit earlier. The most complicated mathematical formula would make absolutely no sense if numbers did not exist. The most incredible theory by Newton or, or Einstein and all of those other scientists would make absolutely no sense if the concept of numbers did not exist. So when you talk about mathematics, numbers are a necessary being for mathematics to make sense. In fact, numbers are, no, are, so, are so necessary, rather, that numbers would exist even if nothing existed because then there would be zero things. It's a bit of a... <laughs> So the, yeah, a bit of a brain freeze there. But numbers have always existed even before numbers existed. Because when there was nothing, there were zero things. And then there was one thing, and then there were two things, and then there were three things. And the same would apply, for example, to words. The most beautiful poem, the most beautiful song would mean absolutely nothing if alphabets did not exist. So in the same breath, the presence of the Lord is the necessary building tool for everything that comes after that. The theology that comes after that, the preaching that comes after that, the worship that comes after that can only find its form. It can only find its place when the word and the presence of the Lord find their place. So as Christians, and I always say this, there's absolutely nothing wrong because obviously as we grow in our faith, we become experts in a lot of things. The Lord has given us different anointings. Some people become preachers, the Bible says. Others become prophets. Others become worshippers and the like. And sometimes the risk with that is that we become experts in our own little niche fields that we forget the humble truth that before this anointing became what it was, we entered the presence of the Lord and it was the Lord that delivered us and it was the Lord that blessed us and it was the Lord that anointed us to be able to serve him. To be able to serve him. So the presence of the Lord is a necessary thing. Now, if you read in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15 and 16, very interesting story. What had happened is, as you would see in many uh, instances in the Old Testament, the Israelites had fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, pretty similar to myself and yourself, so let's not be uh, <laughs> a bit too hard on them. And what had happened is the Lord had said to Moses, fine, take your people, go, I'll give you what, what you need to do, but my presence will stay here. I cannot be part of you because you are disobedient and disrespectful and the like. Moses then gets into an engagement. He gets into a conversation with God. The conversation then sums up or, 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 or culminates in him saying this. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. What a prayer. The Lord has said to him, look, I'll give you what you need. I'll, I'll, I'll protect you. Fine. I'll give you uh, the land. Fine. But I'm not coming with you. And Moses says, you could give us all of these things, but if we do not have your presence, we might as well just die here. We might as well just stay here. And wouldn't it be beautiful if that was the prayer of our lives? To say, Lord, yes, we want all of these wonderful things. Seek first the kingdom and all these things shall be added. But if your presence does not go with us into the new land, into the new season, into the new year, then we might as well stay here. For how then can it be known that your people and I have found favor in your sight? If your presence does not come with us. How will we be able to stand out as servants of the Lord. As, as people who serve God. If your presence is not with us. 
The presence of the Lord is a necessary being. It is a necessary element because without it, absolutely nothing else in the kingdom of God makes sense. We're living in, in quite, I think, quite, quite, quite um, difficult moments, even within the kingdom of God, even within the church. And certain things are done. I think we all read the newspaper and we all watch the news and so on. And a lot of these things are done, unfortunately, in the name of Jesus. And when you get to the root of some of this behavior, you then realize that the one element that is gone is not the theology, it's not the the church attendance, it's not perhaps sometimes even the giving and the generosity, but it is the fear and the lack of acknowledgement of the presence of God. I mean, I've got a three-year-old daughter, and I can assure you that her behavior is (laughs) markedly different when I'm watching her. If I say to her, for example, don't open this, don't touch this, you know, I've noticed once or twice, you know, I'd step out of the room and then I'd stand at the door and peek. And before she does it again, she'll just look. And then sometimes twice or thrice and she'll think, ah, he's not here, I'm doing it. Because once the presence is missing, you know, we've got the age-old saying, when, <laughs> is it, I don't want don't, I don't to uh, ruin the saying, but when the, is it when the cat is away? <laughs> the mice will play. <laughs> Make of that what you will. But when the presence of the Lord is missing, arrogance comes through. When the presence of the Lord is missing, um, a lack of, 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 of reverence, a lack of respect, uh, loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, loving our neighbor, you know, becomes missing because we take one peak, two peaks, three peaks, and the presence of the Lord is not acknowledged. And beautiful things happen, wonderful things happen. In fact, that's what God was saying. Beautiful things will happen. But Moses understood that it is the presence of the Lord that is the foundation of all of these things. It is the presence of the Lord that is the foundation of all of these things. Amen. Uh, Let's move on to, to the next slide. The second element that is important when it comes to the presence of the Lord is the fact that the presence of the Lord is timeless. I spoke a bit earlier about the season that we find ourselves in. Now, for good or bad reasons, the world functions according to what we call the Gregorian calendar, right? So January to December, it makes the most sense if you look at, you know, the Earth's um, axis around the sun and so on and so forth. And it makes absolutely, uh, absolutely a lot of sense why we use that. But the mistake that we make as Christians sometimes is we forget that the Lord is not limited to the seasons that we go through. The Lord cannot be measured by a And what happens is we lack patience, we lack the wherewithal, we lack the long-suffering that the Lord or the Bible requires us to have because in our minds, if these things do not happen in the little time frame that we have, then God has left us. And then God is no longer for us. Because in our minds, if this thing hasn't happened in six months, if this thing hasn't happened in a year, if this thing hasn't happened in two years, three years, five years, or whatever the case might be, then the Lord clearly is not working. But we are reminded when we enter into the presence of the Lord that we're entering into a different time zone. A different season orientation. The Bible says as long as heaven and earth exist, there will be seed time and harvest time. It says nothing about January to December. So the Lord is able to work, allow me to say, and I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but even at the 11th hour on the 31st of December, 2019, the Lord is still able to work in your life. Because we get to this time of the year and we close whatever it is that we're hoping for. We stop praying. All right, fine. I'll pray on the 1st of January then. We'll start, we'll start fresh. God, I'll give, you, I'll give you this year. I'll say you were 
you were slating a little bit. Um, we'll start again in the new year. But the Bible says that the Lord controls the seasons and the times. The Lord controls the hours and the moments. So when we enter into the presence of the Lord, when we come into this fullness of joy, we are well aware that we are entering into the timing and the placing of what God wants to do in his time and in his season. The Bible says the following. It says, man may make his plans, but eventually it is the Lord that shall decide when and what will happen. So the presence of the Lord is a humbling place where we've got confidence that the Lord will do what he has said in his word, but we also have confidence and we are humble in the fact that the Lord will do it at his time, in his hour, and at the perfect moment. The Bible says the following. It says, at the perfect time, the Lord sent his son through Mary. At the perfect time, at the opportune time, at the time at which it makes sense. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had things in my life that I've prayed for and that haven't come at the time that I wanted them to come. And when they eventually did come, I, I, I got a full revelation of a good understanding of why I couldn't have handled this thing at the time that I prayed for it originally. I don't know if this has happened to you. But when that thing finally arrives, and you look at the capacity that you have now, and you look at what, you know, the anointing that the Lord has given you, and the strength that he's given you, you then realize, hey, I'm actually able to handle this. Because the Lord has brought it into my life at a time that is perfect, and at a time that is opportune. This is what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. It says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So God's seasons and timing didn't begin when you were born. God was working on a different calendar even before he formed you. God was setting things up for you even before he formed you. God was putting you into your calling even before he formed you. God was restoring your family even before your family became chaotic. God was providing for your needs even before you lost your job. God was providing your healing even before you were sick. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. If there's one beautiful thing that we need to understand about God, saints, is the fact that God does not work in a haphazard manner. The Lord works according to his plans and his wishes. And everything that we go through, the Bible says the Lord will never give us a challenge or an obstacle that exceeds the capacity that he's given us. So, so the Lord has equipped us with the capacity to handle the fire. He says when, I, when you walk in the book of Isaiah, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Why? Because he has given you the capacity even before the fire came. Ask anyone who's ever fallen into a challenge. You know, I, I, had a, I had an instance, I think, over the past two weeks or so, where a friend of mine, and uh, against my advice, canceled the insurance on his car. And we had long discussions, and I said to him, without, without necessarily criticizing anything or anyone, I said to him, you're better off missing the soccer on the weekend and having insurance on your car. That was just my advice to him. And unfortunately, what then happened about a week and a half ago is, you know, he, she borrowed somebody, um, her car rather, and this person literally ran off the road and ran into a tree. And this person now has 40 or 50,000 rands worth of damages to fix because there's no insurance. And this person said to me over the past few days, had I known then what I know now, or had I prepared then for what, I, for, for what I'm going through now, the results would have been different. And allow me to say that the Lord is of the same mind. He says, before I formed you, before the challenge came, I'd already equipped you with the capacity. Because it doesn't matter how spiritual we are, we do not know what tomorrow holds for us. We do not know what 2020 holds for us. 
We don't know what 2025 or 2030 or 2050, the Lord has not returned. We have no idea what that holds for us. But we are confident when we are in the presence of the Lord because we know that before he formed us in our mother's womb, he knew us. So the addiction that you're perhaps struggling with this morning, can I assure you that before you even started with the addiction, the Lord knew you. And he prepared a deliverance for you. The challenges and the sin, perhaps, that has been holding you back in 2019, that thing that you've been trying to overcome and praying about and fasting about and seeking counseling for, that just refuses to go away, that just holds on to you and says, you will not be delivered. You cannot, you know, get out of this thing. You are stuck for life. The Lord says to us this morning, before I knew, before I formed you, rather, in your mother's womb, I knew you. And allow me to say, I mean, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, when God makes his promise to David, he says, even beyond your current circumstances, he talks about, you know, even beyond your generations, after you have died, I've already secured you. So not only does the presence of the Lord function in a season where, you know, he, he works and acts before our calendar, but the Bible assures us that even afterwards, the Lord has assured us. So as a parent, you know, Every now and then you, you become worried when you look at the world and you think, ah, I'm raising children in a world perhaps that's a bit difficult. I'm, I'm raising children in, in, in a different generation to mine. You know, some of us are in, 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 in pretty weird spaces, you know, if, if, if you're the age that I am. Because you're an adult, you know, but you still think you're young sometimes. And uh, sometimes you feel, hey, I'm a little bit old and so on and so forth. But in both instances, whether you're dealing with those that are young or dealing with the next generation, the Bible says, before I formed you, and even after I formed you, I've secured you. So the Lord's presence is timeless. It has absolutely nothing, or let me say rather, little to do with our timetables and our calendars. So if there's something in your life this morning that you might think in your mind, I'm perhaps a bit too old for that, in terms of the calling and the promises of God, or I've been waiting for this too long, allow me to remind you this morning that the presence of the Lord is timeless. It doesn't function according to this thing that's on my left hand. The presence of the Lord is timeless. The Lord is working. And when he finally reveals that which you've been praying for, allow me to say, you will look back and say, thank you, God, that I've got the capacity now that I didn't have five years ago or five months ago or perhaps five minutes ago. You might have started praying for something while I was, I was preaching. That I've got the capacity now. I'm five minutes stronger than I was. And now I'm able to handle, you know, this particular capacity. Amen. All right, uh, you guys can smile. Um, it's allowed. Amen. <laughs> uh, let's move on to, to the next slide. Now, the third element, which is very important, is the following. The presence of the Lord is spaceless and it's unlimited. Now, this echoes on what I was saying a bit earlier about the Lord being timeless. There are areas in our lives, saints, where... Even when we get saved, there's certain rooms in our houses where we think, all right, Jesus, you know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, it says Jesus Christ stands at the door and knocks, right? He's a gentleman. He's always been, you know, he says he doesn't barge in. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man or woman or child hears my voice, let him open and I will enter and abide with him, right? So the fact that we're here implies in my mind that most of us have taken that invitation. We've heard him knock, we've heard his voice, we've opened the door and we said to him, come in. But what we then do is we close the door and we say, all right, Jesus Christ, now that you're in, you can perhaps go into the kitchen, make yourself a sandwich, uh, but I don't want you in the lounge. I'm busy, I'm watching soccer. 
Uh, or we say to him, look, feel free to be in the lounge, but don't open my fridge, please. Um, groceries are expensive. It's 2019. There are spaces in our lives where we have limited God. And we've said to God one of two things. Either God can't do anything in this room, or he won't do anything in this room. So what's the point of inviting him into this room? So you look at your work situation, for example, and you say, all right, God, um, the devil, you know, I've heard people say this. Christians say to me, ah, the devil is in charge of you, okay? The devil is just running right. There's absolutely nothing that he, you know, that, that, that even God can do. So what's the point of praying for my job situation? Because absolutely nothing will change. And what we say is, okay, Christ, stay in that room. But this room, um, I've got a plan. I've got a plan for it. Um, we're having a meeting after work, and we'll sort it out. Or you think to yourself, all right, God, you're functioning in terms of, you know, my parenting, but in terms of my relationship with my wife, no, 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 you don't understand my wife. My wife is great, by the way. She's, uh, I'm just saying. Tell her, tell her, tell her I said that. Uh, hope, hope it's being recorded. But, I, I, you know, you, you get into a situation where perhaps you're having a difficult season with your wife and you say to her, ah, no, God can't, can't operate. God doesn't know my, my wife. No one understands my wife. My wife is just the worst in the world. And we then say to God, stay here because this room, I mean, you don't want to get into that room. I mean, it's, it's chaotic. But when we enter into the presence of the Lord, saints, it's important that we enter fully. Every single room in our house is a room that we should allow the presence of the Lord to move in. Every single area of our lives is an area that we need to allow God to have access to. Because the presence of the Lord cannot be limited. The presence of the Lord cannot be limited. In fact, allow me to say, to be a little bit harsher and say, the presence of the Lord will not be limited. Because he's either the God of all or the God of nothing at all. When the Lord enters, gentlemen, yes, when he knocks. But as soon as you let him in, the Lord looks and desires to enter into, into every single area of your life and do what he needs to do. So perhaps this morning there's an area of your life, there's a situation perhaps, um, to echo what I was saying a bit earlier, that's been dragging for too long and you've decided in your mind that in this particular area, Lord, you cannot have access to that situation. You cannot, I will not give you the keys to that room because you can't do anything about it. The Lord is here to remind us this morning that when we enter into his presence, he's spaceless, he's timeless, he's unlimited. Matthew chapter 19 verse 26, Christ says the following to his, to his disciples. He says, for man this might be impossible, but for God nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing is impossible. And I'm always quite adamant to say there are certain words in the Bible that don't require you to have a theology degree. And one of those words is nothing. And when Christ says nothing is impossible, he means everything. He means every single thing. Every single area. Every single situation. Every single age group. Every single relationship. Every single marriage. Every single government. Every single situation. Every single city. The Lord says, for man, this might be impossible. But for me, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So it's important, saints, that if there are certain areas in our lives where we've closed the door on Jesus Christ and we've said, Lord, maybe out of, out, of, out, of, out, of, out of frustration, you cannot do anything, so let me close this door, that this morning the Lord is saying, open the door once again. Allow me to come into this room. Allow me to come into this person. I, I shared a testimony um, a couple of weeks ago during Grace United. Now, um, I've, I've had a very difficult relationship with my father for, I think, a good... A good 10, 11, if not 12 years. I've had a very difficult, I've had almost 
no relationship with my father. And in 20, I think it was in 2016, I actually did exactly what I'm saying. I drew the line. In fact, I said to my father, I said, you know what? Uh, you and I cannot have a relationship, which, you know, in hindsight, you think, wow, the Lord is patient and is merciful, but because who am I to, to write people off? But I, but I wrote him off and I said to him, look, um, you know, what, what's the angel saying? I, I, I love you from a distance. It's fine. You know, I'll call you on your birthday and you'll call me on my birthday, but let's not see each other. Don't visit me. I'll visit you because the situation was quite gravitous. And in my mind, I had actually shut the situation up and said, God, in this area and in this room, no, no, it's too difficult. You don't understand who my father is. You cannot do anything about it. And at the beginning of this year, I started feeling pangs of guilt, you know. So I made it a resolution. I said, one of my resolutions, Lord, is to try and, and recapture that relationship with my father. As difficult as it is, perhaps for the sake of my family and the sake of, 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 of my child, let me perhaps just bite the bullet and have a relationship with my father. And I prayed about it, Jan, Feb, March, April, May, June. And I just didn't know how to do it because all of these things that, that, that were keeping us apart were, were weighing so heavily on my mind. You know, you'd go through Father's Day, you know, um, and, and, and some of you in the church, I think I've shared this with you, you know, you'd go through difficult situations where you try to make peace, but then a week later, the same issues rise up and you think, ah, God, I know you love me and I know you're in every room in my house. In about August of this year, while I was still deliberating, trying to figure out what to do, my father calls me out of the blue. Out of the blue. He calls me out of the blue. Um, it was a Tuesday afternoon. I was having a work meeting in Midrand. And he says to me, where are you? And I tell him, no, I'm in Midrand. Um, he says, no, come to the colonnade after work. Let's meet. So I go and I meet. And um, certain things happened at the meeting, perhaps, that um, I might not necessarily share. But you're looking at a person now who has a restored relationship with his father. A fully restored relationship with his father. You know. In an area where, even as spiritual as I am, I had shut down. And I'd said to God, nothing is impossible with you except for my relationship with my father. And allow me to ask you this morning, difficult question perhaps, and you don't have to blurt it out, but what area in your life have you decided nothing is impossible with God except for this area? And as we enter into the new year, and as we enter into the new season, and as we reflect over the year, I think it's important that we give that situation back to God and say, God, here's the key to that room that I shut down. Here's the key to, to that business that is struggling, to that job situation, to, to, you know, I've been applying for a job and I'm not getting a job, you know. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a place to live. I can't find it. You know, that relationship is difficult. Perhaps, perhaps more importantly, my relationship with you, I just, I just can't connect with you, Lord. And I've given up on that. Give the keys back to the Lord this morning. Give the keys back to the Lord this morning. Give the keys back to the Lord in this morning and say, Lord, I believe your word when it says nothing is impossible with you. And that is the presence of the Lord. And our responsibility, saints, is not to figure out how we're going to fix our relationships. The Lord will give us the wisdom for that. Our responsibility is just to enter into the presence of the Lord. This presence that is spaceless, this presence that is unlimited by our man-made boundaries, by our man-made thoughts, by our man-made limitations. And say, Lord, have full access to my life. You know, we sing about it all the time. I give myself away but at the back of our minds, we're thinking, except for that. You know, I surrender all, but not that. I'll sort that one out myself. The Lord is looking to have full access to our lives. Not because, you know, he's, he's, he's got nothing to do. Believe me, he's got, <laughs> I think all of us can agree he's got a lot to do. But because the Lord is interested in every asset and every 
area of our lives. Fully. Fully, 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 fully. If the Lord has given himself fully to us, if the Lord died on the cross and gave his life, he didn't give his fingers, I mean, he could have come through and said, look, I'll give four toes, three fingers, and maybe four teeth. You know, that's, that's still holy. <laughs> you know, I'm assuming the Lord's teeth were holy. Uh, allow me the, <laughs> the poetic freedom. But he says, I will give my life. And he's quite clear. This is what he says to his disciples. He says, do not think that anyone is forcing me to give my life. Because we're thinking he was compelled. He had a deadline to meet. He says, I give my life voluntarily. I lay my life down. And if the Lord lays his life down, then the only thing he asks in return is that every area of, your, of, of, of our personal lives, that we lay that down as well. Because I believe in the new year, the Lord is looking to bring about testimonies in this church. Testimonies of areas that you thought in your mind, impossible, can't be done, can't be sorted, I've tried. The Lord is looking to bring about a testimony. Amen. That is the presence of the Lord. You know, the presence of the Lord, you know, is necessary. The presence of the Lord is timeless. And the presence of the Lord, you know, is, is, is spaceless. It's, it's unlimited. It accesses every single area of our lives. You can play the video. Brother Ben was talking about a quiet week. Looks like it's a quiet sermon as well. Imagine how Mary felt when Gabriel left. What would her family say? She must have been torn between two conflicting emotions. The excitement of being pregnant and the fear of hardships she would encounter. How would Joseph respond? There's a lot on the line. You see, Joseph would be able to legally divorce Mary, and according to Jewish law, she could be stoned to death. Mary certainly had a lot to worry about, losing her fiancé, losing her reputation, losing her life, but she didn't. She worshipped. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. What about us? How do we respond when we're in a tough situation? Life with God is often harder and more confusing than we ever expected. Mary realized this and humbled herself before the Lord and worshipped him with an inscripted praise. When we make God the center of our lives, we can't help but worship, no matter what the circumstance. When we don't worship, we tend to worry. Worship or worry, which do you choose when you're in a tough situation? 
Now, since that is the word that the Lord had placed on my heart this morning, let's return to the presence of the Lord. Let's acknowledge the presence of the Lord in our lives. Let's understand that the Lord is necessary, that the presence of the Lord is necessary, that the Lord isn't working according necessarily to our timetables, and that he's able to fix any and every area of our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of our Lord and our Savior, Lord God, we humble ourselves this morning. We thank you for reminding us, my Lord and Savior, of the gravity of the presence of the Lord, Lord. We thank you for reminding us that the presence of the Lord proceeds and comes before anything and everything that we might pray, wish, think, or hope for, Lord God. We thank you that you've reminded us that the presence of the Lord is necessary, my Father, that it serves as the foundation of our relationship. That the presence of the Lord is timeless and the presence of the Lord is spaceless and unlimited, Lord. King David says, surely though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your presence is with me. Your presence is with me. Lord God, I pray that you remind us, even as we depart this morning, even as we enter into this holiday season, my Father, this chaotic time where a lot of the the truths of your gospel are are, are flawed in our minds and, and a lot of the challenges overcome what we know to be true. Lord God, I pray that you remind us at all times that we live in the presence of the Lord, that we not step in and out of your presence, but that when we give our lives to you, we stepped into the presence of the Lord because, Lord, you said to us, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you even unto the end of the age. And we function according to that conviction and we are confident in the truth, Lord God. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Right, there's tea and coffee. Uh, Let's go fellowship. Let's chat. The ones that are registering for the dancing lesson. Uh, good morning, saints. Good morning. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, uh, I don't know if the pleasure would be mine or yours. Uh, we can obviously discuss that over coffee. But my name is Amu, and uh, I am one of the deacons here at Grace Covenant Church, which means I am responsible for checking attendance. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, we can also discuss that. We've got two topics now to discuss um, during coffee. Now, since it's always an incredible privilege for me to be able to minister the Word of God, uh, because as I've said in the past, it's a responsibility that I don't take lightly. Um, I've quoted this in the past, but the Bible is quite clear. It says the following. It says, not every one of you should desire to be preachers. Not just because you know, perhaps you've got a bit of shyness and you can't stand in front of the church. But because I believe there's a spiritual responsibility in representing God. Now, I'm a big sports fan. And one of the things I always hear when a team loses, you know, what the coach would say, would be something to the effect that the players are not playing for the badge. So in other words, their performance is not reflective of the size or the, or the importance of the club. And if that is important for a simple soccer or rugby or cricket team, how much more for the kingdom of heaven? How much more for the kingdom of God? So I'm always grateful and I'm always humbled more than anything else to be able to stand in front of the church, represent him, and hopefully represent him faithfully for the benefit of the saints. And I I must be honest, for for my benefit, I think, more than anybody else. So always great to to be here, always great to, to preach, and always great to be able to see you. Now... This time of the year is, is always a very interesting time of the year 
Because by its very nature, it's a reflective time of the year. Um, it's an opportunity that, or, or season rather, that forces us, whether we like to or not, to reflect on the year. And when one reflects on the year, there are always two contradicting emotions that come, right? The primary one would be success or happiness, rather, over the success that you might have achieved. And I pray and I hope that every single one of us can take at least one thing that we achieved this year, however big or small. But on the flip side as well, what we then have is regrets. You know, shame go according to plan or where we feel, you know, I should have done a little bit more. I should have given a little bit more. Perhaps I should have studied more. I should have worked harder. I should have gone to gym a little bit more. I should have been nature as human beings. And because of our fatalistic nature, sometimes that particular emotion overpowers even the successes. You know, a friend of mine likes to say, I could do 99 things correctly, but if I do one wrong, that's the one that stays in my head. That's the one that causes me to lose sleep at night. So during this reflective time, during this time we were looking back on the past 11 and a half months or 12, depending on how you, <laughs> you count the, the calendar or you read the calendar, I think it's important that we were reminded of the fact that God is with us. That in the successes, we are able to give him honor because God is with us. And in terms of the regrets and in terms of the elements that might bring us shame, that we're able to receive and, 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 and be inspired confidently for the new year because we know that God is with us. King David says the following in Psalms chapter 124. He says, if the Lord had not been with us, then we would have been swallowed up. If the Lord have not been with us, then we would have been devoured. I can assure you that it doesn't matter how big the regrets are in your life. If the Lord had not been with you, they would have been worse. I can assure you that it doesn't matter how many limitations you had in 2019. If the Lord had deserted you, if the presence of the Lord had not been with you, you'd be in a much worse position than you currently are. So we're able to stand up, wake up, look to the future with confidence because we know that the Lord is with us. King David says the following, he says, Surely though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I can memorize 100 verses. Why? Because I'm the best singer or the best dressed person in church, which I'm not. <laughs> you guys must keep up with me. No, but because the Lord is with me. I'm able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death confidently with my chest out because the Lord is with me. And this is a topic, this is a theme, this is a conversation that we constantly need to have with ourselves. Remind ourselves constantly that the Lord is with me. I do not understand everything, yes. I do not have all the answers, yes. I have not achieved all the things I wanted to achieve, yes. But because the Lord is with me, I have not been devoured. Because the Lord is with me, I have not been destroyed. Amen. So that's what I want us to talk about um, this morning. We can move on to, to the next slide, thanks. Uh, Wes was making fun of me a bit earlier. Um, I've got slides today, uh, <laughs> which for me is, a, is, a, is quite an upgrade. <laughs> I need a graph, that's all I need, and then uh, I'll be on par, I'll be on par. Yeah, so I spent uh, the whole night, uh, and by that I mean an hour at least, typing out <laughs> These particular slides, so uh, yeah, a round of applause would be appreciated. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, Genesis 1 talks about the beginning, right? It talks about a situation, the Bible describes the beginning as a time where the earth 
was void, the Bible says. It uses very big words. It says the earth was formless. There was very little order to things. Chaos ruled. And the Bible says in the beginning, if you read a bit further, it says the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Now, we've got a chaotic situation. We've got a situation where nothing makes sense. The world is void. The world is formless. And yet the presence of the Lord is already there, moving. The presence of the Lord, even in the midst of the chaos, even in, in, in the midst of a season where very few things are making sense, the Bible says to us, the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, was already hovering over the earth. And allow me to say this morning, and, and, and I want to be very direct, it's, it's almost Christmas time, so I can get everything off my chest before we get into the new year. It seems the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over it. It doesn't matter how void or formless your job situation seems. The Spirit of the Lord is hovering over it. The Spirit of the Lord precedes anything and everything that we could ask, wish, think, or pray for. Jesus Christ says the following. He says, where two or more are gathered, he doesn't say, I will then come. I will then be inspired to come. He says, there will I be found. So in other words, we come into the presence of the Lord. You know, sometimes we use quite liberal language, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let's invite the presence of the Lord. Let's invite the Lord into the room, into the prayer room, which is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is language. But the reality of things is that when we come to the presence of the Lord, we find him waiting for us. This is what the Bible says. It says, it is not that we have loved God, but it is rather that God loved us first and brought us into his love. And allow me to say that it is not that we have brought about the presence of the Lord. No, it's, it's the fact that the presence of the Lord has come and our job and responsibility is to step into the presence of the Lord. So when we come to church on a Sunday morning, when we have our personal prayer time, when we are walking, when we are working, when we are doing whatever it is that we need to do, we need to understand that the presence of the Lord is already there waiting for us. So before the first day, before the Lord created the heavens and the stars and the moons and all the beautiful things that he goes on to create, if you read Genesis 1 further, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord was not confused. He wasn't worried. He was scared. The Bible says he was hovering. And allow me to say he was hovering with authority, looking forward to what he would do, looking forward to the order that he would bring about on the earth, looking forward to the order that he would bring about into the universe. And this morning, regardless of where you're standing, allow me to say, the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over your life. He's hovering over your life. He's hovering over your life. And if you read, you know, in terms of the, the, the order that he was able to bring out of chaos, allow me to say that he will do the exact same thing in your life. If you understand and acknowledge that it is the presence of the Lord that is there. And if you read in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So the presence of the Lord, which is his word, which is reflected through the life and work of Jesus Christ in our lives, the Bible says, in the beginning, in the beginning, the word was already there. Amen. In the beginning, the word was already there. So our mindset, our perspective on life should not be to try and coerce God into doing things for us. To try and bribe God into doing things for us. But rather to step into his presence. Because there's absolutely nothing that you can do, saints, that could ever force God to do anything. You cannot put a gun to God's head and say to him, I've been to church every single Sunday this, this year, therefore do this. 
But he says, rather step into my presence. This is what King David says. He says, in the presence of the Lord, there are two things. There is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures that are forevermore. So the presence of the Lord is of a critical importance to our lives and our hearts. But we've got to understand that we do not invite, we do not create it. The band, when they're singing, they're not, their job isn't to create the presence of the Lord. It isn't to form it, it isn't to create it, but rather to lead us into the presence of the Lord. And once we step into the presence of the Lord, the Bible then says, the fullness of joy, the pleasures that are at his right hand, there we will find them. If the Lord had not been with us, we would have been devoured. We would have been destroyed. Amen. Allow me to emphasize that again. If the Lord had not been for us, the spirit and the presence of the Lord comes before our fancy theology. The spirit and the presence of the Lord comes before our fancy singing, our fancy English, our fancy preaching, our fancy cars, our fancy houses. It is the presence of the Lord that sets the foundation and it sets the context for the creative power of God to move. For the healing power of God to move. For the blessing of the Lord to move. Amen. Have I emphasized that enough? I don't think I have. <laughs> Amen. We can move on to the, to the next slide. Now, I want to talk about three elements. Now that we've established that the presence of the Lord is the foundation of everything that flows, I want us to talk about three elements or three characteristics of the presence of the Lord. Three things that we can be confident about when we enter into the presence of the Lord. Amen. And the first of that is simply this, and I think it's probably echoing on what I said a bit earlier. The presence of the Lord is necessary. Now, an obvious statement, it's necessary. But what does necessity mean? It means something that is essential and forms the basic requirement of a thing. Are we on the same page? If you think about a simple example, mathematics, you know, Wes was talking about graphs a bit earlier. The most complicated mathematical formula would make absolutely no sense if numbers did not exist. The most incredible theory by Newton or, or Einstein and all of those other scientists would make absolutely no sense if the concept of numbers did not exist. So when you talk about mathematics, numbers are a necessary being for mathematics to make sense. In fact, numbers are, no, are, so, are so necessary rather that numbers would exist even if nothing existed because then there would be zero things. It's a bit of a, <laughs> it's a, bit, <laughs> yeah, a, bit of a brain freeze there. But numbers have always existed even before numbers existed. Because when there was nothing, there were zero things. And then there was one thing, and then there were two things, and then there were three things. And the same would apply, for example, to words. The most beautiful poem, the most beautiful song would mean absolutely nothing if alphabets did not exist. So in the same breath, the presence of the Lord is the necessary building tool for everything that comes after that. The theology that comes after that. The preaching that comes after that, the worship that comes after that can only find its form. It can only find its place when the word and the presence of the Lord find their place. So as Christians, and I always say this, there's absolutely nothing wrong because obviously as we grow in our faith, we become experts in a lot of things. The Lord has given us different anointings. Some people become preachers, the Bible says. Others become prophets. Others become worshippers and the like. And sometimes the risk with that is that we become experts in our own little niche fields 
that we forget the humble truth that before this anointing became what it was, we entered the presence of the Lord and it was the Lord that delivered us and it was the Lord that blessed us and it was the Lord that anointed us to be able to serve him. To be able to serve him. So the presence of the Lord is a necessary thing. Now, if you read in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15 and 16, very interesting story. What had happened is, as you would see in many uh, instances in the Old Testament, the Israelites had fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, pretty similar to myself and yourself, so let's not be uh, <laughs> a bit too hard on them. And what had happened is the Lord had said to Moses, fine, take your people, go, I'll give you what, what you need to do, but my presence will stay here. I cannot be part of you because you are disobedient and disrespectful and the like. Moses then gets into an engagement. He gets into a conversation with God. The conversation then sums up or, 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 or culminates in him saying this. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. What a prayer. The Lord has said to him, look, I'll give you what you need. I'll, I'll, I'll protect you. Fine. I'll give you uh, the land. Fine. But I'm not coming with you. And Moses says, you could give us all of these things. But if we do not have your presence, we might as well just die here. We might as well just stay here. And wouldn't it be beautiful if that was the prayer of our lives? To say, Lord, yes, we want all of these wonderful things. Seek first the kingdom and all these things shall be added. But if your presence does not go with us into the new land, into the new season, into the new year, then we might as well stay here. For how then can it be known that your people and I have found favor in your sight if your presence does not come with us? How will we be able to stand out as servants of the Lord, as, as people who serve God, if your presence is not with us? The presence of the Lord is a necessary being. It is a necessary element because without it, absolutely nothing else in the kingdom of God makes sense. We're living in, in quite, I think, quite, quite, quite um, difficult moments, even within the kingdom of God, even within the church. And certain things are done. I think we all read the newspaper and we all watch the news and so on. And a lot of these things are done, unfortunately, in the name of Jesus. And when you get to the root of some of this behavior, you then realize that the one element that is gone is not the theology, it's not the, the church attendance, it's not perhaps sometimes even the giving and the generosity, but it is the fear and the lack of acknowledgement of the presence of God. I mean, I've got a three-year-old daughter, and I can assure you that her behavior is <laughs> markedly different when I'm watching her. If I say to her, for example, don't open this, don't touch this, you know, I've noticed once or twice, you know, I'd step out of the room and then I'd stand at the door and peek. And before she does it again, she'll just look. And then sometimes twice or thrice and she'll think, ah, he's not here, I'm doing it. Because once the presence is missing, you know, we've got the age-old saying, when, <laughs> is it, I don't want I don't, I to uh, ruin the saying, but when the, is it when the cat is away? <laughs> the mice will play. <laughs> Make of that what you will. But when the presence of the Lord is missing, arrogance comes to. When the presence of the Lord is missing, um, a lack of, 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 of reverence, a lack of respect, loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, loving our neighbor, you know, becomes missing because we take one peak, two peaks, three peaks, and the presence of the Lord is not acknowledged. And beautiful things happen. Wonderful things happen. In fact, that's what God was saying. Beautiful things will happen. But Moses understood 
that it is the presence of the Lord that is the foundation of all of these things. It is the presence of the Lord that is the foundation of all of these things. Amen. Uh, let's move on to, to the next slide. The second element that is important when it comes to the presence of the Lord is the fact that the presence of the Lord is timeless. I spoke a bit earlier about the season that we find ourselves in. Now, for good or bad reasons, the world functions according to what we call the Gregorian calendar, right? So January to December, it makes the most sense if you look at, you know, the Earth's um, axis around the sun and so on and so forth. And it makes absolutely, uh, absolutely a lot of sense why we use that. But the mistake that we make as Christians sometimes is we forget that the Lord is not limited to the seasons that we go through. The Lord cannot be measured by a And what happens is we lack patience, we lack the wherewithal, we lack the long-suffering that the Lord or the Bible requires us to have because in our minds, if these things do not happen in the little time frame that we have, then God has left us. Then God is no longer for us. Because in our minds, if this thing hasn't happened in six months, if this thing hasn't happened in a year, if this thing hasn't happened in two years, three years, five years, or whatever the case might be, then the Lord clearly is not working. But we are reminded when we enter into the presence of the Lord that we're entering into a different time zone. A different season orientation. The Bible says as long as heaven and earth exist, there will be seed time and harvest time. It says nothing about January to December. So the Lord is able to work, allow me to say, and I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but even at the 11th hour on the 31st of December, 2019, the Lord is still able to work in your life. Because we get to this time of the year and we close whatever it is that we're hoping for. We stop praying. All right, fine. I'll pray on the 1st of January then. We'll start, we'll start fresh. God, I'll give, you, I'll give you this year off. Hey, you, were, you were slacking a little bit. Um, we'll start again in the new year. But the Bible says that the Lord controls the seasons and the times. The Lord controls the hours and the moments. So when we enter into the presence of the Lord, when we come into this fullness of joy, we are well aware that we are entering into the timing and the placing of what God wants to do in his time and in his season. The Bible says the following. It says, man may make his plans, but eventually it is the Lord that shall decide when and what will happen. So the presence of the Lord is a humbling place where we've got confidence that the Lord will do what he has said in his word, but we also have confidence and we are humble in the fact that the Lord will do it at his time, in his hour, and at the perfect moment. The Bible says the following. It says, at the perfect time, the Lord sent his son through Mary. At the perfect time, at the opportune time, at the time at which it makes sense. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had things in my life that I've prayed for And they haven't come at the time that I wanted them to come. And when they eventually did come, I I, I got a full revelation of a good understanding of why I couldn't have handled this thing at the time that I prayed for it originally. I don't know if this has happened to you. But when that thing finally arrives and you look at the capacity that you have now and you look at what, you know, the anointing that the Lord has given you and the strength that he's given you, you then realize, hey, I'm actually able to handle this. Because the Lord has brought it into my life at a time that is perfect and at a time that is opportune. This is what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. It says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So God's seasons and timing didn't begin when you were born. God was working on a different calendar even before he formed you. 
God was setting things up for you even before he formed you. God was putting you into your calling even before he formed you. God was restoring your family even before your family became chaotic. God was providing for your needs even before you lost your job. God was providing your healing even before you were sick. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. If there's one beautiful thing that we need to understand about God, saints, is the fact that God does not work in a haphazard manner. The Lord works according to his plans and his wishes. And everything that we go through, the Bible says the Lord will never give us a challenge or an obstacle that exceeds the capacity that he's given us. So, so the Lord has equipped us with the capacity to handle the fire. He says, when, I, when you walk in the book of Isaiah, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Why? Because he has given you the capacity even before the fire came. Ask anyone who's ever fallen into a challenge. You know, I, I, had, a, I had an instance, I think over the past two weeks or so, where a friend of mine, and uh, against my advice, canceled the insurance on his car. And we had long discussions, and I said to him, without, without necessarily criticizing anything, when I said to him, you're better off missing the soccer on the weekend and having insurance on your car. That was just my advice to him. And unfortunately, what then happened about a week and a half ago is, you know, he, she borrowed somebody, um, her car rather, and this person literally ran off the road and ran into a tree. And this person now has 40 or 50,000 rands worth of damages to fix because there's no insurance. And this person said to me over the past few days, had I known then what I know now, or had I prepared then for what, I, for, for what I'm going through now, the results would have been different. And allow me to say that the Lord is of the same mind. He says, before I formed you, before the challenge came, I'd already equipped you with the capacity. Because it doesn't matter how spiritual we are, we do not know what tomorrow holds for us. We do not know what 2020 holds for us. We don't know what 2025 or 2030 or 2050, the Lord has not returned. We have no idea what that holds for us. But we are confident when we are in the presence of the Lord because we know that before he formed us in our mother's womb, he knew us. So the addiction that you're perhaps struggling with this morning, can I assure you that before you even started with the addiction, the Lord knew you. And he prepared a deliverance for you. The challenges and the sin, perhaps, that has been holding you back in 2019, that thing that you've been trying to overcome and praying about and fasting about and seeking counseling for, that just refuses to go away, that just holds on to you and says, you will not be delivered. You cannot, you know, get out of this thing. You are stuck for life. The Lord says to us this morning, before I knew, before I formed you rather in your mother's womb, I knew you. And allow me to say, I mean, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, when God makes his promise to David, he says, even beyond your current circumstances, he talks about, you know, even beyond your generations, after you have died, I've already secured you. So not only does the presence of the Lord function in a season where, you know, he, he works and acts before our calendar, but the Bible assures us that even afterwards, the Lord has assured us. So as a parent, you know, Every now and then you, you become worried when you look at the world and you think, ah, I'm raising children in a world perhaps that's a bit difficult. I'm, I'm raising children in a, in, a, in a different generation to mine. You know, some of us are in, 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 in pretty weird spaces, you know, if, if, if you're the age that I am. Because you're an adult, you know, but you still think you're young sometimes. And uh, sometimes you, you feel, hey, I'm a little bit old and so on and so forth. But in both instances, whether you're dealing with those that are young or dealing with the next generation... The Bible says, before I formed you, and even after I formed you, I've secured you. 
So the Lord's presence is timeless. It has absolutely nothing, or let me say rather, little to do with our timetables and our calendars. So if there's something in your life this morning that you might think in your mind, I'm perhaps a bit too old for that in terms of the calling and the promises of God. Or I've been waiting for this too long. Allow me to remind you this morning that the presence of the Lord is timeless. It doesn't function according to this thing that's on my left hand. The presence of the Lord is timeless. The Lord is working. And when he finally reveals that which you've been praying for, allow me to say, you will look back and say, thank you God that I've got the capacity now that I didn't have five years ago or five months ago or perhaps five minutes ago. You might have started praying for something while I was, I was preaching. That I've got the capacity now. I'm five minutes stronger than I was. And now I'm able to handle you know, this particular capacity. Amen. All right. Uh, you guys can smile. Um, it's allowed. Amen. <laughs> uh, let's move on to, to the next slide. Now, the third element, which is very important, is the following. The presence of the Lord is spaceless and it's unlimited. Now, this echoes on what I was saying a bit earlier about the Lord being timeless. There are areas in our lives, saints, where even when we get saved, there are certain rooms in our houses where we think, all right, Jesus... You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, it says Jesus Christ stands at the door and knocks, right? He's a gentleman. He's always been, you know, he says he doesn't barge in. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man or woman or child hears my voice, let him open and I will enter and abide with him, right? So the fact that we're here implies in my mind that most of us have taken that invitation. We've heard him knock. We've heard his voice. We've opened the door and we said to him, come in. But what we then do is we close the door and we say, all right, Jesus Christ, now that you're in, you can perhaps go into the kitchen, make yourself a sandwich, uh, but I don't want you in the lounge. I'm busy. I'm watching soccer. Uh, or we say to him, look, feel free to be in the lounge, but don't open my fridge, please. Um, groceries are expensive. It's 2019. There are spaces in our lives where we have limited God. And we've said to God one of two things. Either God can't do anything in this room or he won't do anything in this room. So what's the point of inviting him into this room? So you look at your work situation, for example, and you say, all right, God, um, the devil, you know, I've heard people say this. Christians say to me, ah, the devil is in charge at work. Eh? The devil is just running a riot. There's absolutely nothing that, he, you know, that, that, that even God can do. So what's the point of praying for my job situation? Because absolutely nothing will change. And what we say is, okay, Christ, stay in that room. But this room, um, I've got a plan. I've got a plan for it. Um, we're having a meeting after work. And we'll sort it out. Or you think to yourself, all right, God, you're functioning in terms of, you know, my parenting. But in terms of my relationship with my wife, no, 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 you don't understand my wife. My wife is great, by the way. She's, uh, I'm just saying, tell her, tell her, tell her I said that. Uh, hope, hope it's being recorded. But, I, I, you know, you, you get into a situation where perhaps you're having a difficult season with your wife. And you say to her, ah, no, God can't, can't operate. God doesn't know my, my wife. No one understands my wife. My wife is just the worst in the world. And we then say to God, stay here because this room, I mean, you don't want to get into that room. I mean, it's, it's chaotic. But when we enter into the presence of the Lord, saints, it's important that we enter fully. Every single room in our house is a room that we should allow the presence of the Lord to move in. Every single area of our lives is an area that we need to allow God to have access to. Because the presence of the Lord cannot be limited. The presence of the Lord cannot be limited. In fact, allow me to say, to be a little bit harsher and say, the presence of the Lord will not be limited 
Because he's either the God of all or the God of nothing at all. When the Lord enters, gentlemen, yes, when he knocks, but as soon as you let him in, the Lord looks and desires to enter into, into every single area of your life and do what he needs to do. So perhaps this morning there's an area of your life, there's a situation perhaps, um, to echo what I was saying a bit earlier, that's been dragging for too long and you've decided in your mind that in this particular area, Lord, you cannot have access to that situation. You cannot, I will not give you the keys to that room because you can't do anything about it. The Lord is here to remind us this morning that when we enter into his presence, he's spaceless, he's timeless, he's unlimited. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Christ says the following to his, to his disciples. He says, for man, this might be impossible, but for God, nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing is impossible. And I'm always quite adamant to say, there are certain words in the Bible that don't require you to have a theology degree. And one of those words is nothing. And when Christ says nothing is impossible, he means everything. He means every single thing. Every single area, every single situation, every single age group, every single relationship, every single marriage, every single government, every single situation, every single city. The Lord says, for man, this might be impossible, but for me, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So it's important, saints, that if there are certain areas in our lives where we've closed the door on Jesus Christ and we've said, Lord, maybe out of, out of, out of, out of, out of frustration, you cannot do anything, so let me close this door, that this morning the Lord is saying, open the door once again. Allow me to come into this room. Allow me to come into this person. I, I shared a testimony um, a couple of weeks ago during Grace United. Now, um, I've, I've had a very difficult relationship with my father for, I think, a good... A good 10, 11, if not 12 years. I've had a very difficult, I've had almost no relationship with my father. And in 20, I think it was in 2016, I actually did exactly what I'm saying. I drew the line. In fact, I said to my father, I said, you know what? Uh, you and I cannot have a relationship, which, you know, in hindsight, you think, wow, the Lord is patient and is merciful, but because who am I to, to write people off? But I, but I wrote him off and I said to him, look, um, you know, what, what's the age old saying? I, I, I love you from a distance. It's fine. You know, I'll call you on your birthday and you'll call me on my birthday, but let's not see each other. Don't visit me. I'll visit you because the situation was quite gravitous. And in my mind, I had actually shut the situation up and said, God, in this area and in this room, no, no, it's too difficult. You don't understand who my father is. You cannot do anything about it. And at the beginning of this year, I started feeling pangs of guilt, you know. So I made it a resolution. I said, one of my resolutions, Lord, is to try and, and recapture that relationship with my father. As difficult as it is, perhaps for the sake of my family and the sake of, 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 of my child, let me perhaps just bite the bullet and have a relationship with my father. And I prayed about it, Jan, Feb, March, April, May, June, and I just didn't know how to do it because all of these things that, that, that were keeping us apart were, were weighing so heavily on my mind. You know, you'd go through Father's Day, you know, um, and, and, and some of you in the church, I think I've shared this with you, you know, you'd go through difficult situations where you try to make peace, but then a week later, the same issues rise up and you think, ah, God, I know you love me and I know you're in every room in my house. In about August of this year, while I was still deliberating, trying to figure out what to do, my father calls me out of the blue, out of the blue, he calls me out of the blue. Um, it was a Tuesday afternoon, I was having a work meeting in Midrand, and he says to me, where are you? And I tell him, no, I'm in Midrand. Um, he says, no, come to the colonnade after work, let's meet. So I go and I meet. And um, 
certain things happened at the meeting, perhaps that um, I might not necessarily share. But you're looking at a person now who has a restored relationship with his father. A fully restored relationship with his father. You know, in an area where even as spiritual as I am, I had shut down. And I'd say to God, nothing is impossible with you except for my relationship with my father. And allow me to ask you this morning, difficult question perhaps, and you don't have to blurt it out, but what area in your life have you decided nothing is impossible with God except for this area? And as we enter into the new year, and as we enter into the new season, and as we reflect over the year, I think it's important that we give that situation back to God and say, God, here's the key to that room that I shut down. Here's the key to, to that business that is struggling, to that job situation, to, to, you know, I've been applying for a job and I'm not getting a job, you know. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a place to live. I can't find it. You know, that relationship is difficult. Perhaps, perhaps more importantly, my relationship with you. I just, I just can't connect with you, Lord. And I've given up on that. Give the keys back to the Lord this morning. Give the keys back to the Lord this morning. Give the keys back to the Lord in this morning and say, Lord, I believe your word when it says nothing is impossible with you. And that is the presence of the Lord. And our responsibility, saints, is not to figure out how we're going to fix our relationships. The Lord will give us the reason for that. Our responsibility is just to enter into the presence of the Lord. This presence that is spaceless. This presence that is unlimited by our man-made boundaries, by our man-made thoughts, by our man-made limitations. And say, Lord, have full access to my life. You know, we sing about it all the time. I give myself away. But at the back of our minds, we're thinking, except for that. You know, I surrender all, but not that. I'll sort that one out myself. The Lord is looking to have full access to our lives. Not because, you know, he's, he's, he's got nothing to do. Believe me, he's got, I think all of us can agree he's got a lot to do. But because the Lord is interested in every asset in every area of our lives. Fully, 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 fully. If the Lord has given himself fully to us, if the Lord died on the cross and gave his life, he didn't give his fingers, I mean, he could have come through and said, look, I'll give four toes, three fingers, and maybe four teeth. You know, that's, that's still holy. <laughs> you know, I'm assuming the Lord's teeth were holy. Uh, allow me the, <laughs> the poetic freedom. But he says, I will give my life. And he's quite clear. This is what he says to his disciples. He says, do not think that anyone is forcing me to give my life. Because we're thinking he was compelled. He had a deadline to meet. He says, I give my life voluntarily. I lay my life down. And if the Lord lays his life down, then the only thing he asks in return is that every area of our, of, of, of our personal lives, that we lay that down as well. Because I believe in the new year, the Lord is looking to bring about testimonies in this church. Testimonies of areas that you thought in your mind impossible, can't be done, can't be sorted. I've tried. The Lord is looking to bring about a testimony. Amen. That is the presence of the Lord. You know, the presence of the Lord, you know, is necessary. The presence of the Lord is timeless, and the presence of the Lord, you know, is is, is spaceless. It's it's unlimited. It accesses every single area of our lives. You can play the video. Uh, 
Brother Ben was talking about a quiet week. Looks like it's a quiet sermon as well. Imagine how Mary felt when Gabriel left. What would her family say? She must have been torn between two conflicting emotions. The excitement of being pregnant and the fear of hardships she would encounter. How would Joseph respond? There's a lot on the line. You see, Joseph would be able to legally divorce Mary, and according to Jewish law, she could be stoned to death. Mary certainly had a lot to worry about, losing her fiancé, losing her reputation, losing her life, but she didn't. She worshipped. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. What about us? How do we respond when we're in a tough situation? Life with God is often harder and more confusing than we ever expected. Mary realized this and humbled herself before the Lord and worshipped him with an inscripted praise. When we make God the center of our lives, we can't help but worship, no matter what the circumstance. When we don't worship, we tend to worry. Worship or worry, which do you choose when you're in a tough situation? Amen. Now, saints, that is the word that the Lord had placed on my heart this morning. Let's return to the presence of the Lord. Let's acknowledge the presence of the Lord in our lives. Let's understand that the Lord is necessary, that the presence of the Lord is necessary, that the Lord isn't working according necessarily to our timetables, and that he's able to fix any and every area of our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of our Lord and our Savior, Lord God, we humble ourselves this morning. We thank you for reminding us, my Lord and Savior, of the gravity of the presence of the Lord, Lord. We thank you for reminding us that the presence of the Lord proceeds and comes before anything and everything that we might pray, wish, think, or hope for, Lord God. We thank you that you've reminded us that the presence of the Lord is necessary, my Father, that it serves as the foundation of our relationship. That the presence of the Lord is timeless and that the presence of the Lord is spaceless and unlimited, Lord. King David says, surely though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your presence is with me. Your presence is with me. Lord God, I pray that you remind us, even as we depart this morning, even as we enter into this holiday season, my Father, this chaotic time where a lot of the, the, the truths of your gospel are, are, are flawed in our minds and, and a lot of the challenges overcome what we know to be true. Lord God, I pray that you remind us at all times that we live in the presence of the Lord, that we not step in and out of your presence, but that when we give our lives to you, we step into the presence of the Lord because, Lord, you said to us, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you even unto the end of the age. And we function according to that conviction and we are confident in the truth, Lord God. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you. God bless you. Right, there's tea and coffee. Uh, let's go fellowship. Let's chat. The ones that are registering for the dancing lesson.